0: For podcasts, articles, and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. Martin McCloskey, on fire. This is Mark McCloskey on fire on Newstalk STL. I get knocked out, but I get
1: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Mark McCloskey. Mark McCloskey on fire. News Talk STO 101.9 94.1. You can catch me on X, formerly known as Twitter, on Rumble, on my Facebook, any place you get your podcasts. Well, you know, if uh, you've been paying attention to this program over the last year or so, you know that that the primary focus of of my Event, or my uh, program is always the inevitable march to a single world socialist government that the left has been imposing on us. And their motto always is, out of chaos comes tyranny. And tyranny, of course, is the end game. And how best to inspire tyranny, how best to create a rapid decline into slavery of a, of a once-free people, Then through the uh, three-step program of demoralizing and engaging in a war on law enforcement, in legalizing crime and at the same time criminalizing self-defense so that you keep the, the population frightened, alone and in despair. And now they've introduced the fourth leg of that and that is to use what's left of law enforcement, the judiciary system and the prosecutor's office to persecute political opponents. And then, you know, I'll get into this in my monologue at the end but now we've got Hillary Clinton saying out loud that which we all knew and that is that the end game is going to be re-education camps. And so uh, we're going to address at least three of those topics here in the first section of my show. We happen to have with us a uh, law enforcement expert, an advocate uh, advocate for the police department, for law enforcement in general, and a fellow who's got an organization that funds the needs of those wounded in the course of their work to protect the rest of us, an organization called the Wounded Blue. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome... uh, Randy Sutton to the On Fire program.
2: I really appreciate you having me on, Mark. I know we've got a lot to talk about.
1: Well, first of all, uh, give give our audience a little bit of flavor of your background, how it is that you came to be where you are today and becoming not just an advocate for law and order and a supporter of wounded uh, uh, law enforcement officers, but also a, a best-selling author.
2: Sure. Uh, so my, my career in law enforcement spanned, Uh, about 34 years. I did 10 years in a small department in New Jersey, Princeton, New Jersey, PD, and um, then got a little bored working there and started my career all over again and did 24 years with the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, where I can assure you I was not bored. And uh, I had to start my career all over again, go back to the academy and, 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 and play the whole Rookie role again. It was, it was, uh, but it was a decision I never looked back upon. Now, while I was a police officer, I did a number of other things as well. If you're familiar with the television show Cops, I was one of the most featured officers on that show. I did uh, a number of different seasons there. Um, That led to um, my uh, role in the movie Casino which um, I played a cop named Randy. It was a tough stretch. And uh, got, <laughs> how, got how did you the the ever remember your guild. lines? What's that?
1: How did you ever remember your lines? Of that? Kind?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. And I wound up getting the Screen Actors Guild and have been doing movies and television ever since. Uh, also written four books. I actually have another book that's coming out in two months that uh, is right in line with this discussion today. It's called Rescuing Nine One One: The Fight for America's Safety, and this is uh, a book about how we got to where we got, and what we need to do to get back to some sense of normalcy. And that means uniting, uniting the people with the police. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so it's a call to action for that. That book will be coming out in about two months. Um, what led to what I do now, full time is uh, I actually what ended my police career and I never expected this to happen, but I, I suffered a stroke in my, in my police car. And it was literally the most uh, frightening moment of my life. And uh, what happened next was shocking to me. And that was that my own department turned its back on me and just said, we're not paying your medical bills. We're not giving you your benefits. And I was, shocked i mean you have to it's by law you have to yeah you have to follow the law yourself right yeah and uh they said yeah we know we have to but we're not going to so i had to get a lawyer i had to uh, go to court uh, administrative court to force them to pay me my benefits and my medical bills and it was a very very lonely place to be mark i mean I, i literally felt abandoned i felt alone and um i won as they knew i would but I came to find out a horrible realization, and that was they spent tens of thousands of taxpayers' dollars fighting me over a year's period, knowing it would take that long for me to, for me to uh, uh, win, win the case. But they were hoping I would die in the meantime, yeah. and that way they wouldn't have to.
1: Yeah.
2: And that realization was shocking to me. Um, now, at that time, I thought I was the Lone Ranger, that this was just happening to me. But then, because of my visibility in the law enforcement community, from being on the, in the movies, from writing the books, from being a police trainer for years throughout the country, cops started reaching out to me with these terrible stories. Randy, I was shot in the line of duty. My department's not, not picking up the medical bills. They never even came to visit me in the hospital. Randy, I was hit by a car. They're not paying my medical. And everyone ended the same way. I feel abandoned and I feel alone. And, I, and the only reason they were reaching out to me wasn't because I could do anything for them, but because I was simply visible to them. And out of desperation, they reached out to somebody whose face they knew. And I thought, okay, there's got to be a resource for these men and women, and discovered there was no national resource. But there sure as hell is now, and it is the Wounded Blue, and we are the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Officers, a nationwide charity to help more than fourteen thousand law enforcement officers who've been injured either physically or psychologically and emotionally in the last five years, and we're you know, doing amazing work.
1: And you know, for for people that may not be familiar with this, I know police officers that have been injured and shot in the line of work who have been just exactly like you, abandoned, just said, "Okay, bye, you're out of here now. You're your own yep. problem." Where you know if you haven't, if you haven't. Uh, uh, vested or you haven't reached enough tenure or whatever even if you're a career officer you're on your own and there was nobody out there looking after him
2: it's it's heartbreaking i mean i literally i hear the most heartbreaking stories you can imagine and um and and you know we play a role Uh, my entire team is made up of cops who have been shot stabbed beaten run over screwed up and screwed over and uh, they're true heroes though they uh despite some of them you know Paralyzed, some whatever whatever injury it was, um, they still continue to serve their brothers and sisters in in, in ways that are um, really really touching. We've saved a lot of lives.
1: Yeah, so so let's flash back a little bit. I'm, I'm going to be sixty seven years old here in a few days, and you know, back when I was a kid, we all respected police officers. I grew up in a in a small suburb of St. Louis. Uh, uh, my dad was in the city council and and was uh, a a, a, a uh, Deputy sheriff in the in our community, and, and the police force was run by a, I still remember his name, Chief Fred Zinn, and you knew the cops, and they knew you, and they were your friends, and they're people that would you could you know even as a kid they talked to you, and and uh, you treated them with respect. What's happened to that world?
2: Well, that world has certainly altered. Um, you know the uh, the 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 war on cops is very real. It's not just a war on physical war, where cops are being shot literally almost every single day. We've had more than 250 police officers shot this year so far. That's that's one every single day. Yeah. Um, yes, two days ago was the was the funeral for the L.A. County deputy who was ambushed and murdered in his police car. So the physical war is very real. The the but the, there's the the war on cops is much is is much greater than that the war on cops is the po- political left um legislating police officers in, in, in and putting them in positions where they can't police um there the the city the city governments making policies that make it less safe for cops in and not just physically but also to to keep their jobs um in 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 this political turmoil the war on cops is the media, um, the media's uh, uh, seeming endless thirst to burn down police officers for even legitimate uses of force. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and you know, any time
2: simply because it it, it raises.
1: Okay, you, you glitched there for just a second. Yeah, well, you know, and and as as you know, exemplified by the George Floyd incident. The the left always has a prepackaged response available to deploy on any circumstance. But, you know, you've got to be, if you're an active police officer now, any time you've got to make a split-second decision on whether or not to use deadly force or not, you've got to think about, you know, what videos are playing, how the left is going to spin this, what cities are going to burn if I make a decision which is necessary to enforce the law, necessary to protect the safety of the the private citizens as well as myself and my partners. See, no longer can you just concentrate on police work. You have to concentrate on whether or not you're going to spend the rest of your life in prison for just doing your job.
2: You're you're absolutely right, Um, and and it's happening. I, I call it persecution by prosecution, and it's happening across the country since we have the what i call trojan horse district attorneys put into place by George Soros's money um, who are literally dismantling the criminal justice system brick by brick you know that very very well yourself yeah we've been, uh, the, we,
1: we have a little personal experience with that
2: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah. And, uh, and and the, the the absolute incompetence and corruption that um, that accompanies some of these district attorneys is literally destroying the very fabric of law enforcement in these major communities, leading to the body count rising and the pulling back of policing, um, of, uh, of pro- proactive policing, mm-hmm. the diminishment of resources. The, the all-out war on cops has led to the, this crisis in law enforcement that we are now facing, and that is the lo- the the lowest number of police officers on the streets that that in, in history. We have we have police agencies who literally cannot hire. St. Louis, perfect example. They gave a police test uh, six or seven months ago. Nobody even showed up. yeah. yeah. Because nobody. Nobody wants to work in that environment.
1: Well, it's, it's, worse uh, than just, it's worse than just the environment because until Kim Gardner, thank God, was forced to resign, she had this list of officers who, based on her review of their Facebook postings from the ancient past, she would refuse to prosecute their cases no matter what the facts were, no matter what the rest were for. And she also had a secret list. So imagine this. Imagine you're up in North St. Louis in the murder capital of the world in one of the most dangerous places on the planet and you don't know whether or not what you do to enforce the law is going to just get tossed because some Soros-funded prosecutor says you're a racist and therefore the crimes that you prevent and the arrests that you make don't get prosecuted no matter what. Why would you ever want right. that job?
2: Yeah, no, Kim, Kim Gardner belongs in prison. Yeah, She, she belongs in prison. She, she is absolutely... Um, I mean, how it took so long to get rid of her is beyond belief. But of course, here's the, here's one of the issues they're getting voted into office, right? Yeah. So low, low information voters are putting these people into place, even though that, you know, what, maybe 16% of the, of the, of the people who were, were, uh, you know, uh, permitted to vote actually did so. So, That's why I call for activism on the part of the silent majority. You can't be silent anymore. You have to stand up because they're coming for you and they're coming for your family.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, that, of course, is, is the whole point. George Soros and his organizations recruit people of low intellect and high convictions so that when they get in office they can be useful puppets and they're too stupid to know what they're doing. And incompetence... And avarice work hand in hand to just destroy the police departments and destroy the cities that they're they've been elected to protect. Um, exactly. Yeah, we're gonna have to take a we're gonna have to take a short break here. Can you hang on for the next segment? Absolutely. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back. This is Mark McCloskey on fire.
0: Get more Mark McCloskey at newstalkstl.com. Mark McCloskey on fire on News Talk STL. For podcast articles, and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. Mark McCloskey, on fire. You're listening to Mark McCloskey on fire on Newstalk STL. Well, welcome
1: back, ladies and gentlemen. We're continuing our discussion here this afternoon with Randy Sutton, talking about uh, the war on police. And the, uh, the, the flip side of the war on police is... Lawlessness, of course, if you don't have policing, what you have is crime. And so the same forces that seek to demoralize our police departments and frighten and demoralize the population do so through legalization of criminal behavior, and we're seeing that everywhere around the United States today.
2: It's insane. that What, what the, the, the state legislatures in several states, um, for instance, Illinois, Illinois, has enacted the most radical anti-public safety, anti-law enforcement legislation in the country. And the governor at Pritzker uh, is uh, uh, is another one that belongs in prison. Mm-hmm. And what they have done is literally cut the ability of law enforcement to be, to, to be proactive, not just proactive, they, they, they are literally empowering the criminal class, and that's what it is, the criminal class, to uh, victimize innocent people all over the state and have no consequences for their actions, they, they have no accountability, and it's the victims of these crimes who are literally being neglected and ignored by the the power structure you know it it used to be the victims that that we we we, uh worked together to eliminate as many victims as possible from becoming victims and now what's happening is even victims are being prosecuted when when they when they defend themselves well i mean look at
1: yeah, I was, was going to say, but, you know, part of, part of the new bill in Illinois that went into effect this year, it gets worse than just letting criminals out. It handcuffs the police. My understanding, it's been a while since I've looked at it, that police aren't allowed to interrogate about co-conspirators in crime for 48 hours to, to, to provide the accomplices two days to escape the jurisdiction of the law. And who could ever, what, what, what representative would ever propose such a thing? And what governor would ever sign such a thing?
2: Exactly, and so it shows you that this this movement to uh, destroy policing as we know it and the effectiveness of policing this isn't happening by accident. This is this is a this is a movement, yeah. and unfortunately, the voters who literally hold the hold the key to change are are either not getting the information, aren't being uh, responsive to it, and are allowing the same the same politicians who are destroying their public safety, yeah. the safety for they and their families, and they're re-electing them and putting them back in office. Or, it's or- like watching lemon, lemmings jump into the sea. Yeah. It's very frustrating for me as a law enforcement professional.
1: Well, it's very frustrating for, for me as a person that has to live in one of these jurisdictions, but there are there are dozens now of George Soros-funded prosecutors from Alvin Bragg and Kim Fox in Chicago and go th- big city through big city through big city in this country. And then the legislatures are making it worse for decriminalizing, what, theft up to $950 in, in L.A. and all these things. And then, not to mention, well, I'll, I'll digress. Starting on uh, May 26, I guess, of 2020, the day after the George Floyd incident, the powers that be, both the state governments, the local governments, and even the federal government, just turned a blind eye to or actively encouraged the riots that destroyed billions of dollars of property, killed hundreds of people, shot and killed, what, over a thousand police officers here in St. Louis. On the night of June the first and June the second of 2020, four police officers were shot, and retired police captain David Dorn was murdered. And that just took right. place all around the country, all over this, all over all that summer long, with the active endorsement of people like Kamala Harris and uh, Maxine Waters and Adam Schiff and everyone else, saying not only isn't a bad thing this mostly peaceful protest involving yeah. arson and death and murder and everything else should be encouraged. That the riots aren't going to stop. The Kamala Harris said the riots aren't going to stop, and they shouldn't stop. She's now vice president of the, of the gosh darn United States of America.
2: And and police officers who defended themselves from literally throngs of 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 uh, violent offenders assaulting them are being prosecuted. There's there's like 17 police officers in Austin, Texas, under indictment right now for simply defending themselves. Yeah. Yeah, from from throngs of criminals. Yeah, and then it is the, it is absurd. It's just amazing. It's ha- it, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, I was going to say, and also in Austin, you got Daniel Perry, who has uh, been convicted of murder for defending himself against an Antifa guy that lowered an AK-47 at him.
2: How is it possible that a jury could come to that conclusion? It is maddening and And much of it is all by the design of of uh, of destroying reputations of the police of of uh dehumanizing them, making them you know planting that play playing the 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 um, or actually I should say painting them all with the brush of racism yeah. That's always what it comes down to. When they can't come up with a legitimate reason to demonize, they just they just throw the word racism in there. Yeah, and uh, and it's absurd.
1: Well, and and as you know, uh, in the real world, the number of unarmed black men killed every year by the police is is essentially non-existent. So it's a smaller number than unarmed white men killed every year. But, you know, just because a person doesn't have a pistol or a knife in their hand doesn't mean they're not dangerous. And uh...
2: Absolutely. And, and so many police officers, and, you know, I'm involved in this in a, in a major way because of my work with wounded, injured officers. Police officers are so hesitant to use the proper amount of force at the appropriate times that it's getting cops killed. Yeah. It's getting cops seriously injured. We have police officers deploying less lethal means, against guns and it is it is it's literally taking the lives of our cops because they are afraid to use the appropriate force because they know that there's a possibility they'll get prosecuted for
1: it yeah and 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 once again here in st louis we just had a uh, judicial decision during the uh, george floyd riots the uh, st louis police department engaged in what's euphemistically called kettling right uh, surrounding yes. surrounding the mob and pushing them together until they they are no longer effective as a mob well our our illustrious city government is deciding to pay each one of those people in the mob 85 thousand dollars a piece whilst prosecuting the police officers
2: it is it is maddening it's maddening to watch and it is what it's doing is is tearing it's tearing the fabric of our nation apart you know if the police can't protect themselves how can they protect the rest of us right yeah and so then
1: so so then if the if the police aren't there to protect you and if nine one one results in nobody coming in the old days what you did was defend yourself but now all throughout this country self-defense is being prosecuted the two daniels i like the best are daniel perry down in austin who did get convicted of murder and daniel penny the subway guy in new york city who's going to spend time in prison for saving uh Lot you know, subway passengers from a deranged guy.
2: Yeah, yeah, I I, I know, I know, and and it's um, every time that that one of those high profile incidents happens where a, where a good guy is is being victimized by the sy- system, it tells the public, hands off, I don't want to be that next person, yeah. just like the cops. Yeah. Just like the cops are saying, I don't want to be that next. We have police officers now who are acting like firemen. They're not going out and proactively stopping anybody. Yeah. They're only waiting for the nine one one call to come in. Yeah. And that's a very, very dangerous place to be because crimes are solved by good cops doing proactive policing. Mm-hmm. And and the 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 left's um march towards Trying to destroy proactive policing is is increasing every single day.
1: Yeah, and if you, if, you, if you don't have police on the beat, if you don't have the cops out there doing their job, and the population has been chilled from trying to protect themselves because the government's going to come after you for defending yourself, then what do you do? The, of course, the whole plan is to demoralize and frighten the population because a frightened and demoralized population asks the government for a solution. And so it's always the same thing, problem, reaction, solution. They create the problem, they wait the reaction, right. and then they create the solution. And the solution is always more government, less individual rights. You give up your rights and we'll promise to protect you, even though those people making that promise are the exact same people that placed you in that danger in the first place.
2: And, I, and, and I, I've got to tell you that, that another thing that, that frightens me in the future is utilizing our police against our people. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, ha- having been a cop, I know the power that goes with being a police officer. You have an immense power, and that immense power can be turned against a population by enacting laws that are unjust, putting, I mean, the mask mandate, perfect example. Right? Every time I watched a police officer make a, a custodial arrest or an enforcement action against somebody for wearing a mask, I cringed. I cringed because they're being utilized and with, without even having statutory legalization, they're, they're doing enforcement actions. They're taking people's liberty. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is a very, very dangerous situation and it turns the people against the police. So I'm I am very, very concerned about that. Yeah. Um, well, think about know,
1: think about this. You know, when, when you or I were kids, what was the, What was the highest? Uh, you know, the most respected law enforcement officer in the country was an FBI agent, right? In those days, they all had to be lawyers. They, were, they wore right. suits. They were considered to be the epitome of uh, um, objective enforcers of, of federal law. And now, who has respect for the FBI? I mean, the, the, the weaponization of the government against individual citizens, the use of uh, the coercive force of the courts, the uh, the Department of Justice, and law enforcement – to, to quash opposition on purely political bases. I mean, we've had a bunch of the uh, January Sixers on the program. and We've done a lot of work to support them, but consider what happened to Antifa rioters that burned, killed, pillaged, and then compare that to the people that are getting decades in prison, even if they didn't, if even if they weren't in D.C. on January sixth on on totally bogus charges. It's just all that's just designed, as you say, to intimidate each and every one of us from standing up for ourselves and trying to defend ourselves.
2: Well, I, I coined a phrase on a, on a program I was doing. I said, referring to the FBI, they used to be the untouchables, and now they're the untrustables.
1: <laughs> I like that. I like oh. that. Or, I, or, I
2: gave you permission to use that.
1: I will use that. And I, I, here's, <laughs> here, here's, the, uh, here's my response, and that is, it used to be that you're innocent until proven guilty. Now you're guilty until proven Democrat.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a good one too.
1: <laughs> and you have my permission to use that. Well, in the, in the last minute here, uh, tell us how uh, how we can help you out. How we can get in touch with the organization and, and help out the uh, Wounded Blue.
2: Well, the WoundedBlue.org is our website. I urge your viewers and listeners to go to the woundedblue.org see who we are see what we do and by all means please hit that donate button give what you can 10 bucks a month 20 bucks a month a one time donation whatever you can do we appreciate if you are law enforcement and you're struggling please connect with us at thewoundedblue.org and for the country music fans who are listening and watching we have a great relationship with the country music band ricochet and you you if you're a country music fan you know that one of their big hits was your your daddy's money your mama's good looks and they just came out with a brand new cd and the only way you can get it is by going to adoptacop.com adoptacop.com and do a 20 dollars donation to the wounded blue and we will send you their brand new cd so go to adoptacop.com Get a great CD, give to the Wounded Blue, and for, for your, your corporate folks who are listening, if you want to become a sponsor of the Wounded Blue, if you want to be a partner of the Wounded Blue and help us on our mission, then contact me directly, randy at thewoundedblue.org. That's randy at thewoundedblue.org. Right.
1: And, and for everybody listening and everybody watching, when time comes to elect your, your city council, your mayor... You're a state's attorney. Think about it. I mean, look at what happened with uh, um, Eric Adams getting elected in New York City. Look what happens with Alvin Bragg. Look what happens with Kim Fox. Look what happens throughout the country when you allow the minority that wishes to destroy you to monopolize the elections. Just get out there, vet your candidates, and make sure you only support and vote for candidates that are actually going to try to help this nation and not tear it apart.
2: Absolutely. um... You want to get uh, notified when my new book comes out, uh, go to rescuing911.org and just get on the list and we'll notify you when the book comes out. Rescuing911.org.
1: All right. Well, Randy Sutton, thanks for being on the show today. I sure appreciate it.
2: My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Mark. Take care.
1: Well, that was uh, Randy Sutton, an advocate for law enforcement and a guy who's had enough personal experience in it that he knows what he's talking about. We'll be back in just a minute, and we'll do our review. Of this week in
0: politics. Get more Mark McCloskey at NewstalkSTL.com. This is Mark McCloskey on fire on Newstalk STL. For podcast articles and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. Mark McCloskey on fire this is mark mccloskey on fire on news talk stl
1: well welcome back ladies and gentlemen this is mark mccloskey mark mccloskey on fire news talk stl and 101.9 94.1 on my x feed formerly known as twitter on uh, facebook on rumble any place you get your podcast uh well you know it's been an interesting week in politics, uh, at least in the House of Representatives. You know, and it's kind of an interesting concept because for the first time in the history of the United States, the Speaker of the House has been voted out. And uh, mostly, I guess, at the impetus of our friend Matt Gates from Florida, who, uh, you know, has been demonized, not just by the left, but by his own party. Why? Because he has principles. Why? Because he actually wants to protect this republic. Why? Because he doesn't take big money donations. He does not accept PAC money. He only takes the 10s and 20s given by his his constituents, just kind of like the uh, the way it was supposed to be. Um, And he and a handful of other stout Republicans stood up against the swamp, stood up against Kevin McCarthy, and said it was time for a change. Well, as you know, We cannot survive as a republic unless there is dramatic, monumental change, basic structural change in the way this country works, in the way D.C. works, in the way our government, to the extent the government has anything to do with running this country, and it's just not not all run by the globalist billionaires. We have to make fundamental changes. You cannot keep going on the way things have been, because that used to be a gradual walk to the left. It's not gradual anymore. It's an avalanche to the left. It's an avalanche which picks up all of our personal rights as that big snowballs running down the hill, picks up all of our local governments, picks up everything near and dear to us, and crashes it into the ground at the bottom of the mountain. How's that for a spontaneous analogy? Um, but here's the thing. So why, why are people saying, for example— Donald Trump endorsed Jim Jordan for, for Speaker of the House, right? Um, and people are blasting Jim Jordan. Why? Jim Jordan is a great guy. He's a tremendous athlete. More than that, he's a an independent thinker, a person who is motivated by a, an ideology of trying to preserve this great republic. He ha- wants to restore our constitutional privileges and rights. He wants to restore this country to the way it was. And uh, he has the guts to do it. And, even though he doesn't wear a sport coat, uh, and he's a pre- he's able to draw out the truth, without him leading in the in the House of Representatives, we would not know ninety percent of what's going on with the Biden crime family, amongst other things. So he makes, in my opinion, a great Speaker of the House. He's fearless. He's determined. He has the right philosophy. He has his heart behind trying to restore our freedoms and our and our democratic republic but the powers that be are against him. And why are they against him? Well, because Kevin McCarthy is a big fundraiser. Everybody will tell you how great it is that Kevin McCarthy can raise all this money, right? Well, so you ask yourself, what's that got to do with saving the republic? Well, the answer is nothing. It has everything to do with destroying the republic, but it has something to do with what the speaker's job is. And the Speaker's job is to pull the Republican caucus together, to pull the Republican Party together and get them to vote the way that the Speaker wants them to vote. So you might think, this is a democracy. Well, it's really a republic, but the Democrats always like to use the word democracy, just like the uh, Joseph Stalin liked to use the word democracy and just like the Communist Chinese like to use the term democracy. But anyway, um, uh, you would think, that in a representative republic, that the way you would get people to vote for your ideas is like arguing with them, trying to convince them that these are good policies, trying to convince them that these are, these are political values and, and moral values that are worth supporting and use all kinds of intelligent arguments to, to make people understand why the bills that you're proposing and the things that you want to, to pay for with our tax dollars, by the way, are good and valuable things and will make people better. But that's got nothing to do with it, all right? That's not how you pull the caucus together. The way you pull the carcass together is through, uh, did I say carcass? I meant it, um, through intimidation, extortion, and bribery. And you do it this way. You're, you're Kevin McCarthy. You're a huge fundraiser. You're not raising tens and twenties from, from moms and pops back home. You're raising millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars, a billion dollars from big dollar donors. And what do you do with that? big dollar donor money. You go to the people that don't want to vote your way, and you say, hey, Mr. Don't Want to Vote My Way, would you like to get reelected? If you'd like to get reelected, we can dump $10 million into your campaign, or $20 million, or $30 million, or $40 million. And so you've got two choices here. You can vote my way and get reelected, or you can not vote my way And you can go back to whatever miserable rock you crawled out from under to become a politician in the first place. And that's the way it works. Works that way in D.C. Works that way in uh, Jeff City, Missouri, where our our House of Representatives sits. And uh, there's a guy named John Ratliff who runs something called the HRCC, House Republican Congressional uh, uh, Committee, I guess. It's a PAC. What they do is they distribute money. And that ability to distribute money to other members of the House of Representatives who claim to be Republicans is how you control them. Because everybody wants to get reelected. You know who you want to elect for, for any elective office? You want to elect the person that doesn't want to get elected. You vote for somebody that really, really wants to get elected. And I've got to tell you what, that's somebody you shouldn't want to vote for. You should only vote for the people that are doing it reluctantly and want to get out of there as soon as possible. I saw um, Mike Pence's wife on television recently talking about how they were considering whether or not to run for a third term. Um I guess he's governor at that point. And uh, so they're out on some rocky cliffside waiting for a, a a word from the Lord as to whether or not they should run for election. And the Lord speaks to them and says thou shalt run for election again. And she says and we did and we won. And I heard her say and we won. And I thought this represents everything wrong with a political system. Winning an election isn't a win. It should be a burden upon you. It should be something which you have to do reluctantly to save yourself, your fellow man and our republic. It shouldn't be a prize. It shouldn't be something where you stand up and go woohoo, I won. It should be undertaking a an arduous burden which you must take on for the good of man, but which isn't some kind of a prize for yourself. But that's the problem. And so everybody says, well, well." I digress. What does Congress do? What does the House of Representatives do? They give money. They collect money and they distribute it. The, uh, the, the constitutional job of the House of Representatives, both in the state of Missouri and in your state as well, and in the United States of America, is to fund the budget, all right? That's their job. And so if Congress, if the if the House of Representatives does not provide funding, the government can't function. If the House of Representatives doesn't pro- provide funding for specific parts of the government, like, for example, the uh, ATF or, for example, the Department of Education or, for example, unlimited uh, support for the uh, the war against Russia in Ukraine – then those things can't happen because there's no money to pay for it. And so the, uh, the the power of the purse, the power that the Speaker of the House has in being able to determine what bills will get voted on and what bills will not get voted on directly affects the ability of the government to engage in anything because they can just pull the financial plug. And so Kevin McCarthy says, well, we can't do that because we, we as Republicans support the military and uh, we can't have the military go unfunded. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I guarantee you that the vast majority of the men and women in the United States Armed Forces understand that this is a battle for the very existence of this country. And if we don't win it now, we will never get it back. And I guarantee you that they would gladly forfeit a couple of months of their paycheck to preserve this republic. I'm hoping that somebody like Jim Jordan becomes Speaker and has the guts and has the support of his fellow Republicans to take those kinds of drastic action, to shut this government down, to defund the majority of it, to get back to fiscal responsibility and return us to a sane, sober nation that spends within its means and only spends money when it is going to, pardon the phrase, make America great again. Well, we've got we've got something I'm working with here in the state of Missouri, and I believe that it is the, uh, the first program like this in the country. We are going to vet candidates before they're allowed to run as Republicans. How is that as an interesting concept? Uh, the way it works uh, in Missouri, and I presume in your state as well, is that people that run for statewide offices or federal offices have to pay their filing fee to the Secretary of State, and the Secretary of State then forwards that money to the treasurer of the state party. People running for county offices pay their filing fee to the county clerk, which then transfers that money to the treasurer of the county party. If the treasurer refuses to accept that filing fee, that individual cannot run under that party's banner, okay? Works in the county level. If the state party, if the state treasurer of the Republican Party refuses to accept that filing fee, well then that person can't run as a Republican on a statewide or federal uh, um, elections, either. They can run as any kind of party they want to, but they can't run as Republicans. Now, you would, and the way we do this is, there's a, they, first of all, they have to pledge that they will uphold the uh, platform of the Republican Party. You're going to run as a Republican? You think you might want to vow to uphold the Republican platform. That seems simple to me. Then there's a survey they have to fill out to see whether or not their philosophies mesh with uh, Republican philosophies. Then uh, we review their Internet uh, postings, their voting record, the bills they sponsored if they've been elected to determine whether or not, in fact, they are Republicans. If they don't pass that muster, the county clerks will refuse their fees and they will not be allowed to run as Republicans. How simple of a concept is that? If you're going to run as a Republican, you should uphold the principles of the Republican Party. If you're just a wolf in sheep's clothing... If you've just put an R behind your name because you know you're the same person you were when you ran with a D behind your name, but you can't get elected now with a D behind your name, if that's who you are, you should not run as a Republican. This is a way to make sure that those folks will not and cannot run as Republicans. But you know what? The state party wants no part of it. The The state Missouri State Republican Party does not want to have any part of this. The state uh, uh, committee... Doesn't want to have vetting. And you know what? The guy I mentioned earlier today, that John Ratliff, who runs the uh, HRCC, he's vowed to sue us if we do this. Sue us for trying to make Republicans verify that they are, in fact, Republicans. I mean, how stinking bad is that? We call ourselves a red state. We claim that we have super majorities in both houses of Congress and a Republican governor, and therefore, to quote uh, one of the guys running For governor of this state. We're a big red state. We ought to be doing big red things, but we're not. Why? Because uh, Congress, the House of Representatives, and the Senate of the state of Missouri are full of rhinos that are doing everything to perpetuate the deep state, the swamp, on a local level as well as a national level, and they will resist every effort to sweep them out because their job, in their mind, is to make government ever bigger, to spend more money, and to reduce humans' reduce our individual rights, to take away our God-given rights, and to replace those rights with privileges granted to us by an overbearing government. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to do everything we can in our power to fight to vet candidates so that only actual Republicans can run as Republicans. If we can't get that done on the state level, you can do it. You know how? By actually vetting those candidates yourself. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're the kind of person that goes into the voting booth and only votes for somebody because you recognize their name and don't know anything else about them, then do us all a favor
0: and stay home. Get more Mark McCloskey at NewstalkSTL.com. This is Mark McCloskey on fire on News Talk STL. For podcast articles and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com.